Hello and welcome to episode 68 of Popcorn Optional, a weekly movies podcast where we talk all things movies. This week we're here to review Predator, The Predator, I'm confused what it's called, uh, the new Shane Black film that's a continuation of Predator 1 and 2, not Predator vs. Alien or Predator vs. Alien Requiem. Or Predators, may or may not in- Predator 3. Well, Predators is like a, it's like a side-off. Yeah. Um, so who, who, I, it's a movie with a predator. Um, but before we get to our review, we have some news and trailers to talk about. And at the end of the podcast, we will give you our content of the week for you to check out that we recommend. My name is Cameron Slanina and I'm joined tonight by Trevor Allison. Yeah, it's uh, good to be here talking about, um, uh, reboot Legacy sequel? No, it's not a legacy sequel. Um, it's I. It's a reboot call. <laughs> no, no, this is just a straight reboot call. <laughs> yeah, no, it's casual. Um, no, it's pretty pretty self-explanatory reboot call. Uh, Dick couldn't be with us tonight. He's got some actual production stuff to do. So, uh, good luck to him and his endeavors. The talented man. Um, all right, let's go ahead and get to news and trailers. The news dropped last week that Henry Cavill is more than likely, I don't know if we have it officially confirmed yet, more than likely dropping out as playing Clark Kent, a.k.a. Superman, which ever since this news came out, it kind of feels like they're playing, um, they're doing contract negotiations in public. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I feel like he dropped this news and then WB has yet to confirm it. He has yet to confirm it. Uh, his agent has said he may still be playing the role. But if Henry Cavill's out, this is a pretty big hit for the DC franchise. Yeah. Do you think he's trying to negotiate the mustache into the next movie? Gosh, I hope so. Because that mustache in Missing Impossible Fallout was legit. So good. I would gladly see more mustache Clark Kent. Although the mustache may give it away. Also, my first... That may be too sorry, far. My first reaction was also like... He got too jacked. He's too jacked to play Superman now. He's too big. Right. Right. I think they saw him in Mission Impossible and they're like, mm, that's that guy could beat up Superman. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't this is um, this is weird. I'm I mean, it just seems like nothing about these films has turned out well for anyone. Right. And there's like Okay, I, I'll be honest. There, are, there's part of me that's excited for Aquaman. Um, there's some like I saw the trailer again play in front of the Predator, uh, which I have confirmed with both IMDb and Wikipedia is the official name, the Predator. The Predator, yes, the Predator, not the Predator, the <laughs> two E's. Um, but I'm like, there's part of me that's excited for Aquaman. Like, it's not, um. I think there's hope there. There's some really like cool shots like of him diving off of the boat with a flare. And then like you see all the swarm coming in with him as he's swimming down. Like I think there are things to be excited about, but this complete unraveling of the DCEU between Superman being out uh, or Henry Cavill being out, Ben Affleck being out. I mean, it's coming to the point where it's like, okay, the Flash movie really needs to be Flashpoint so that they can just reboot yeah, this it's thing, gonna, <laughs> keep who they want, and recast. Yeah, it's gonna have to be Flashpoint. That's that way they can explain away all their character continuity issues. Right. The news also came out though that 
Warner Brothers is supposedly interested, and I don't know if this is just Warner Brothers once again negotiating in public. They're interested in Michael B. Jordan for the role. And I am here to say that anytime somebody throws out Michael B. Jordan's name for a movie, you instantly catch my attention. I saw on Twitter the other day someone said, I just want Michael B. Jordan to be Superman just for the bad takes that we're going to get. And I kind of agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would... I want Michael B. Jordan for every role in the DCE. <laughs> like, keep Gal Gadot playing Wonder Woman. Every other role, though, is Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Michael B. Jordan as Aquaman. Michael B. Jordan as uh, Barry Allen, Wally West, whoever you want him to play for Flash. Uh, Clark Kent, uh, Batman. Like, he's Dick he's, Grayson, whoever you want him to be. The, the the Shazam kid and Shazam, both? Yes, He's both <laughs> via Captain America, like sizing right, exactly. down yes. from the first yes. movie. And then he's also the Joker. <laughs> oh, but can you Matt? Like he Killmonger is like Killmonger has some he's Joker like, in him. He's like the sane Joker kind of. Yeah. He's the Joker with actual like with reasons goals. behind his madness. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag goals. Right. But so I think um, also I think the other thing that, that, com- that make this kind of brings to mind is, and it seems like Warner is doing this maybe, but I think that you just let Wonder Woman cruise along on her own now because yeah. Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot have such a good thing going that you turn those out every three years until one of them doesn't want to do it anymore. And you don't even worry about right. her character crossing over into the rest of your mess. Right. No, that's a hundred percent. And uh, I, I, I think that the play for Warner Brothers, and this is me saying this as a fan, but I think the play is to do more like like don't feel like you have to connect everything. Let Matt Reeves uh-huh. do his his little Batman trilogy, then have you know this Todd Phillips Scorsese produced Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix. Like, not all of this has to be connected. Do these like off things that Marvel's not going to be doing to where it's like, they don't have to worry about continuity or like something can be a comedy or something can be darker or let's play with this element, like make it like the comic books. And I think that kind of sets you apart. Instantly. Yeah. They should, they should tie things together in more of those like puddle, the, ugh, those more subtle Pixar ways of, you yeah. just kind of see these little Easter eggs and things. I think that's a better way for them to approach this, especially with right. like this Joker movie. I'm fine with Joaquin Phoenix playing the Joker, um, but I, I don't know how it works without Batman. A joke, the Joker without Batman doesn't make any sense. You mean the like the introduction? Not introduction. What am I trying to say? The origin story. Origin story. Yeah, I, of I the think Joker. it can be interesting to a point, but I think your third act without Batman doesn't. But Thomas Wayne's in it. Yeah. It, I mean, it could be something. Who knows? But but that's what the, the Joker is. Batman's foil, and vice versa. That's why they work so well because they're diametrically opposed. Right, but I think I look at it as like the opening scene of the Dark Knight is interesting, even without Batman. Batman, it's interesting from like a tormented, okay. uh, twisted villain. Okay, angle. that's true. And maybe if we get, you know, the first two acts are how he gets to that point. And then the third act is like why he then becomes to the level where he is of Batman's attention. Okay. Like, cause he's not just going to go from being a normal person on the, like on the street to all of a sudden he's 
Batman's nemesis. It's like he's got to build up right. to that. And I think okay. I think that, that third act could be there. My biggest worry with that, and the pictures, if, if you haven't seen them, just look up Joaquin Phoenix, the Joker. Todd Phillips released an official picture. There's set pictures that have been released. The pictures are fine. It's interesting. My biggest worry about this is that we have Todd Phillips in the director's chair, which, don't get me wrong, when Todd Phillips is on, he's on, but Todd Phillips is also the guy that brought us The Hangover 2 and The Hangover 3. So... Like anyone who decided, like, let's just make the same movie twice or three times, really. Like, The Hangover is great, but after that, it's like, I kind of lost respect because what was he thinking? He has talent. He didn't need to do that. He did War Dogs in 2016. Didn't see that, but it's, uh, you know, a uh, friend of the podcast, Miles Teller. <laughs> and... um <laughs> So yeah, that's what it is. I will still uh, refer to the these films sarcastically as the Snyderverse until they stop making them, though. But Snyder is out. Yeah, it's still gonna look. So, they're still gonna follow his visual style. I think it looks like anyway. That's what they're pushing. Which yeah. isn't a bad thing. Like I'm fine with Snyder's no, visual fine. style. Yeah. Um, out of all the things to take from Snyder, that would be the I, I, one thing that I would be like, hey, um. That's not a bad idea. And it's interesting that we bring up Snyder and his visuals because Snyder's cinematographer, Larry Fong, is who shot The Predator, which we will be talking about in a little bit. Oh, yeah. Um, all right. The other thing to get to is the Captain Marvel trailer, the new Marvel Cinematic Universe film, the film that will be coming out next March and will be the lead-in to Avengers 4, um, Endgame, Avengers Ensemble, however, whatever it's going to be titled. <laughs> Um, starring Thanos' big move. Yeah, I want it to be like a long, like you know how like Borat is like Borat documentary for blah 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 cultural learning of America for make benefit (laughs) glorious nation of Kazakhstan. Yes, I want Avengers to be like, uh, not everyone is dead. Some people are in spirit realm, but let's see what happens. Fun time, Thanos. Or like, I think it should be called like, what is Thanos up to now? Colon which one of the 14 million scenarios is this? Right. Are we in the, I want it to be like a Ron Burgundy question. Like (laughs) I am Thanos. (laughs) And it's him like just on that planet for an hour and a half, just like staring into the sunset, contemplating (laughs) everything that he's done. And then like the last five minutes is like Tony Stark just like walks up. He's like, Hey man, could you uh, reverse that? And Thanos is like, yeah, man, I messed up. (laughs) And he like, he's like snaps and he's like, Here's the gauntlet. That's that's the movie I want. I've decided. Okay. Oh man. Um. But in all seriousness, this trailer is exciting. Uh, I think Brie Larson looks pretty great as Captain Marvel. It's weird seeing Samuel Jackson with both his eyes uh-huh. uh, as Nick Fury. Uh, for those of you who don't know, this movie will take place back in the '90s, and uh, it, it kind of will detail how the Kree. Uh, race comes into play in the universe mm-hmm. and uh, it's not an origin story, but it'll tell us how Captain Marvel came to be who she is. Um, there's some really great moments in this trailer. Um, there's like a, a, a couple times where they do this thing where they like cut from when she was a kid mm-hmm. to when she's like all the way the, an adult. And it's like her falling as like a kid uh, adult. And then like, 
ender like later in the movie and then like or like her rising up as a kid a little bit older uh middle and then like at the end i thought that was pretty effective yeah i think i think this looks pretty good um i i didn't love the trailer it was a little cgi heavy um and Mm -hmm. not in i don't know this we don't always the marvel movies don't always look the same as they did in the trailers which is that's fine um i I, i'm not necessarily complaining that a lot of the complaining about that because a lot of the marvel movies are cgi heavy the guardians of galaxy 2 is pretty much on a sound stage entirely um, right. with CGI and it works and it looks good. Um, I, I'm very interested in this because one, I think Brie Larson is great. And two, I think that, um, Anna Fleck and Ryan Bowden is a really interesting director choice for one of these kind of movies. Um, yeah. I, the only film I've seen that they've done is it's kind of a funny story, which is I think an underrated film that I really enjoyed. Um, so, so yeah, I think that, I think that we're going to get maybe a more personal kind of film than what we get usually from these, from this series, um, which I think is great. And I think it's interesting. It's almost, it almost frames it like a buddy cop movie between Brie Larson and Samuel L. Jackson, which mm-hmm. is kind of hilarious. Um, I didn't realize this. I've actually seen all of their films. Um, all I right. just looked it up. But Mississippi Grind is that good? That sounds that looked really good. It's it's pretty good. It's kind of a funny story. It's pretty good. I don't remember Sugar all that well, um, but Half Nelson with Ryan Gosling is incredible. And um, so I'm excited for them. Um, I think that this trailer's got a lot a lot of good things in it. There's a moment where it's like title cards are flashing and it goes from like her into a hero. I thought that was, uh-huh. that was a great little like touch. Uh-huh. I was pretty pumped. I'll be honest. Like at the end of this trailer, I was hyped. I was ready to see this movie today. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's exciting. I think this is, this is a pretty important film in the grand scale of the Marvel cinematic universe, especially if as they've been kind of saying that, Captain Marvel will tip the scale in terms of uh, fighting Thanos. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to see why, as they're saying, she's the most powerful superhero in the MCU. Yep. Um, obviously, Brie Larson's going to kill it. But, um, all righty, well, let's, let's talk Emmys a little bit because, because, um, <laughs> I don't know. They happened. They happened, and we should talk about them because that would be the important thing to do. That's right. Um, Even though we we, I personally will not respect the Emmys until they give Jason Alexander one for playing George Costanza. Or Michael Gary Scott. Right? Oh, my gosh. See, There's a lot of things that the Emmys that's have the messed thing. up. We, we begrudgingly bring this up because the Emmys, even more so, I mean, I know that it's bizarre looking back that the most popular show on television Seinfeld didn't have its best acting performance ever win an award for it. But um, even when getting into the office and especially with things that happened the other night, I, I think television is so fragmented now that the Emmys are the Grammys. It's just, right. it's just kind of this popular mismatch of whatever people happen to be yelling for at the moment. Like 
I know a lot of, I, I have, I do not watch game of Thrones, um, but I know a lot of people that watch it who are very surprised that it won outstanding drama. <laughs> like people that have been yeah. watching it for years were very surprised. Well, I think between, you know, the Americans final season, which I've heard is great. I've never watched the Americans. And that's the other hard thing. It's like, Trevor, you bring up the Grammys and it's like the Grammys are always hard because it's like, I haven't listened to a quarter of these albums. I haven't watched a quarter of these TV shows. Right. Um, I stopped watching Game of Thrones quite a while ago. Uh, never watched The Americans. Haven't watched The Crown. Haven't watched Handmaid's Tale. I've watched Stranger Things. And I haven't watched This Is Us or Westworld. So that's the outstanding drama category. Yeah. I've clearly done my work there. <laughs> um, it's it's just so hard to watch something when it's like you have... Like I now understand when people watch the Academy Awards and they're like, what movies are we talking about? Uh-huh. I get it because it's like in this situation, I don't know what's what like I can't have an opinion because I've seen one of the seven different films nominated for outstanding right. drama series. What, what I can tell you is that the marvelous Mrs. Maisel is fantastic. I highly recommend it. And Rachel Brosnahan deserves everything that she gets because she, for her. because she is just astoundingly good in that film or show it's, it's um if you, if you're on the fence about it, if you liked Gilmore girls, it's corrected or, Ugh, created and written and directed by Amy Sherman Palladino from Gilmore Girls. And this is 10 times the show that Gilmore Girls was. Yeah. Um, I w- I'll say that my wife has seen it and loves it. Um, when I told her about all the wins that it got, she was pretty pumped. So it seems like a good show. And, and Jake is super excited because he's been telling us about Barry for months and it won, it won several awards as well. Right. Bill Hader won for best actor in a comedy series and Henry Winkler won for best supporting actor in a comedy series. So two big awards that people didn't think would go to those, especially with um, categories that had Atlanta in them. Atlanta was the heavy favorite going into all of this and got shut out. Um, Unfortunately, Atlanta is the one show up for outstanding comedy that I had seen uh, no, two. Uh, Atlanta and Silicon Valley. Uh, and Atlanta is just amazing. Atlanta has some of the best TV episodes I've ever seen in their second season. So I, Marvelous Miss Maisel must be amazing if it beat out Atlanta. Yeah, I need to see um, I need to see Atlanta. I was skeptical on Marvelous Miss Maisel even when I heard about it and what it was, but it's very good. Okay. Well, worth checking out then. Um, it seems like outside of that, everything was what it was. I don't really know how else to say that. Um, Jeff Daniels uh, from Newsroom got his uh, Emmy finally for a show called Godless, which I watched five episodes of and then stopped. (laughs) So I don't, I feel bad about that, but whatever. Um, A guy proposed to his girlfriend at the Emmys, which was maybe the, most exciting thing that happened. I mean, there? did you watch? Did you watch the broadcast? Uh. Uh-uh. Okay, I didn't either. So, I saw it on Twitter the next day. It was like guy proposes during his awards acceptance. Uh-huh. <coughs> and part of me was like, "That's amazing! Like, good for him. That was a really sweet moment." And then part of me, I think the like cynical side of me, looks at that and then goes man, now everybody's going to try and have these like amazing awards. Like people are like, <laughs> words aren't going to be enough. I now have to do, so- it's going to be like the 
like dunk contest where it's like, okay, I got to jump over a car. Uh, I can't just <laughs> dunk the ball. Uh-huh. It'll be like, I can't just use my words. I got to do something else to bring in the audience. Yeah. So like somebody will win and be like, I made brownies for the audience. <laughs> um, Look underneath your chair. Yeah. I, uh, I don't, I don't know. Um, I just, I don't care about the Emmys because I don't, have time to watch all of them. My biggest problem with TV shows is that so often it feels like such a commitment. Like if I'm going to watch an episode of a TV show, I'm going to watch all of it. Mm. And with most of these shows that have been on for a while, one of two things runs before my runs through my head before I start watching it. One, how long is it? How much time am I actually committing to catching up on this show? And two is the story at a place where Either it's done and finalized and I'm going to get a complete story or is it in a place where I at least know that the end is coming and we will at least get to see it. Because one of the most frustrating things is whenever a TV show gets canned before we end up getting to see what the final product is uh-huh. um, or before like even if it's like they go out somewhat on their terms, they at least get to tell an ending. It's maybe not always the ending that they want. And that's just as frustrating so part of me waits until I know a show's done and I can kind of just watch all of it. Like that's what I did with Breaking Bad. I waited until it was like, oh, this is the final season. They're going out on their terms. Okay, I'll watch the first four seasons and then watch the fifth season in real time. Yeah. So I don't know. Do you have like when you're going to sit down and watch something, do you ever have that problem where you're like, I don't really feel like committing all this time to a TV show. Yeah. I, yeah, so I'll I just watch something. I've I seen. definitely agree. And I feel like there aren't as many must see TV shows as there were five years ago. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I feel like there are so, great, I feel like part of the problem is like, there's all these gray shows or at least like quote unquote gray shows of like, everybody says you should check this out. It's amazing. Yeah, there are. Um, I think there are, it's, but it seems like even like Game of Thrones, you know, is slowly dwindled down. Um, we've talked about Walking Dead and how it's fizzled out and still going yeah. somehow. I think the strength of some of the, I, in my mind, Mad Men and Breaking Bad are probably the two best TV shows. And mm-hmm. the reason that they're both the best is because they are, they were exactly what they were until the very last minute of the show. Right. Like that Mad Men ending. Is just like it's the most Mad Men esque ending I could possibly think yeah, of. Yeah, that's I could I could talk for hours on Mad Men, but yeah. Anyway, yeah. I I mean I have this list of shows that I'm interested in watching, but it's just kind of this like, eh, do I want to do this? How many episodes are there? I completely understand. Right. It's it's hard to get invested in something when. Oh, well, I'll put this out for example. I watched every season of Survivor over a couple months as I was, as my son was born as a way to like, okay, I'm going to be up with him. Um, I'll just have this on in the background. I did the math the other day. There's been like 540 episodes at 43 minutes a piece. It was 387 hours of survivor. <laughs> oh, so that's sad. Um, <laughs> I'll never watch 37 seasons of another show. I can tell you that (laughs) unless it was the office. I'd watch 37 seasons of the office. Oh yeah. Um, 
That's all we have for our news and trailers. Let's go ahead and get to a review of The Predator. Um, I've been informed that it's the, not the, so let's go back to that usage. (laughs) Um, Okay, so Shane Black. Shane Black's a talented guy. He's directed films that people have seen, films that people haven't seen. He's directed Iron Man 3. He directed Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which I feel like nobody ever talks about. And then he also directed The Nice Guys with Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe, which came out a couple years ago. So... I, I I mean, what's your opinion on Shane Black? Do you think that Shane Black's a talented guy? Uh, yeah, I've seen. Um, let's see, I've seen. I I like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I think it's basically um an American Guy Ritchie movie in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, I like Iron Man three. It's weird and but does some really interesting and hilarious things also. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I I think well of Shane Black. I think he's someone who who knows how to direct action and also knows how to use humor within his action. I mean, his, his first credit ever was writing the script for lethal weapon. So that's Mm -hmm. exactly, I mean, that's kind of what he's always done, what he's kept doing. And I think he's always been good at it. Right. And he's also somebody who has a connection to the predator franchise as he appeared in the very first predator film and was one of the first victims of the predator. So going back to the Predator, we kind of talked briefly about the Predator and the Predator franchise. There's been three solely Predator films, and then there's also been the Predator vs. Alien films. So what's been your experience with the Predator franchise up until this date? So I've seen enough of the first one. I can't, I couldn't lay the entire plot out for you. I remember Schwarzenegger. I remember the noise, the or whatever. Um, I didn't see Predator Two. I didn't see Predators with Adrian Brody, who is jacked. Adrian who's Brody sorely miscast right. as an action hero. I can't get over that. Um, and and then I, I mean, even as like a twelve year old when AVP came out, I was offended by the idea of it. Like, like <laughs> what is this? This we can't just t- pick two random franchises like Freddy versus well, Jason of sci-fi. It is the Freddy versus Jason, but of monsters. But the problem is. Oh, I have like philosophical issues with it because I think Alien is is in the conversation for best sci-fi movie of all time, and I don't think Predator is anywhere near. Right, that. and Predator is not that whatsoever. Right, I feel like, um, what's it like? You know how there's always um, what's the phrase like? Whenever you're dating somebody who's above you, there's always a reacher and a settler. Yeah, that's right. I feel like. <laughs> In this relationship, Predator is very much the Reacher, and Alien is very much the Settler. I, I completely agree. Also, <laughs> the idea of two villains fighting each other is not interesting, especially when no. they're monsters. Right, which you know just makes us so excited about the Venom film. Right. Oh, stop showing me that which, trailer. It just makes me sad. Right. I... I watched the trailer in the theater and I kind of, I've seen the trailer. And so I was kind of, I had this like out of body experience where I was like, I wonder what other people around me are doing (laughs) during this trailer. There were people on their phones and it was the last trailer that played. And then there were people just kind of like awkwardly, like looking at each other. Like, is this real? When does like, or is this the stop texting thing? Um, So I don't, I don't, I don't know. About that movie, but getting back to Predator 
in the Predator franchise. I watched the original Predator for the first time last week in anticipation of this. I didn't realize that the uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, Carl Weathers handshake is from this. Oh, yeah. The famous like <laughs> gift handshake that shows manliness in all of its glory <laughs> uh, and just holds way too long on it. And then there's also me and Trevor have talked at length about uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's one-liners. I feel like if we're ranking a movie on one-liners, this is probably second to uh, Total Recall. To- Total Recall is unmatched in Schwarzenegger one-liners. But yeah, but yeah Predator, Predator is also great. also has I a would... scene where Arnold Schwarzenegger throws a knife at a dude and says, stick around. <laughs> and that's... That's classic Schwarzenegger. Yeah, the 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 worst Schwarzenegger from movie for one liners is the endless string of ice puns that he uses as Mister Freeze. Yep. Ugh. Yeah, and I feel like Terminator somewhere in the middle where <laughs> he doesn't give as many great one liners. Uh-huh. Like the one liners are great not because of like the corniness, but they're great because of other reasons, right. which is frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> but outside of the original Predator, I've never seen Predator Two. I've seen Predators. And I remember liking it quite a bit. It takes some uh, interesting things. Yeah, it was, like was well-reviewed, I think. Yeah, I like Adrian Brody. Um, he does fine here. Topher Grace is Topher Grace. <laughs> Walton Goggins is great as always. But then I completely forgot this cast also has Mahershala Ali uh-huh. and Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. Mahershala Ali before so, people knew who he was. Right. And I'm pretty sure that Mahershala Ali is the guy that gets killed off pretty quickly. And then I've also seen Predator vs. Alien and Predator vs. Alien Requiem. Oh, my gosh. So I've seen every Predator film other than Predator 2, and I did not realize that. (laughs) But they're fine. I'm with Trevor. I don't think that they're in the same ballpark as the Alien franchise, which is what they often get compared to. I think Alien franchise has two of the best monster films of all time in uh-huh. alien and aliens. And I don't think any of the predator films get anywhere near those two films. And Prometheus um, is one of my favorite bad movies of all time. I respect Prometheus a lot more than I like. <laughs> and alien covenant is fine. Um, if you like just Michael Bay, not Michael Bay, uh, Michael Fassbender playing a flute to himself. Right another cloned version of himself. Um, anyways, the, the weird thing about this movie was you didn't really know where it sat in the franchise. And so going into it, I was surprised when it was revealed that this is a true sequel. This is picking up in the exact same universe as the previous films. Yeah. I thought um, it was a full reboot. Right. I did too, but interesting that it goes that route. Um, have you ever seen Independence Day Resurgence, I, the sequel? No, I did not see it, unfortunately. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and kind of get into my general thoughts and say that this film falters in a lot of the same ways that that film does. And okay. I, don't, I don't like this movie. Um, the editing is very off. There are times where they hold too long, and then there are times where they literally like deliver a very emotional line and then immediately cut to something fast paced. And it's like, that doesn't fit whatsoever. Um, I think that the humor in this film, there were times where I found myself like laughing, but out of like, Ooh, 
no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, whether it's like, and maybe that's just me, but did you find the humor off? Yeah, this? I. Everything that I like that I like wanted to like about this film, I felt embarrassed about even being amused by. Right, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. <laughs> it this is very, it's. I don't with I don't want to like insult groups of people or certain things, but it's like very lowbrow is the right word. It's like it's like very unintelligent. The whole movie is right. It takes things and breaks them down to the most stereotypical form of what they could be, especially when you look at people um, like Thomas Jane's Tourette's character. Uh-huh. Um, I think that some of like the military stuff that they. <sighs> Keegan-Michael P, Keegan-Michael Keel, Keegan-Michael Key is very misused in this film. He's. It's weird. It's, this film's weird, right? Yeah, that's that's my, the first line of my general thoughts is, what the heck is this movie? Like, I don't, what is it supposed to be? It has like, it has themes of Asperger's and other disabilities. It has themes of climate change it has themes of mm-hmm. what it means to be a good soldier and what it means to be a good mm-hmm. father and it has themes of what do people do when aliens attack and i don't know that all of those things mesh well together <laughs> with this story no, i don't think they do <laughs> my, my like so one of my things that i wrote down was i don't think the any of the actors were in the same film like Boyd Hallbrook and Trevante Rhodes are in a very different movie than Olivia Munn, who's in a very different movie from Sterling K. Brown, who's in a very different movie from Keegan-Michael Key and Thomas Jane. Like, none of these yeah. people have, like, a cohesive, like, here's what this movie is. Yeah, and, and, and in no fashion does Sterling K. Brown show us how he could have possibly been qualified for the job that he has. Right. And not to mention, like, you try and take Sterling K. Brown, one of the arguably most likable people in Hollywood right now and turn him into a villain, which yes has worked before taking a nice guy and turning them into a villain. But this was not the role to do it. He felt off the entire time. Yeah, it was, it was, it was everything about this movie is weird. But on the other hand, this movie is paced so well that it flies by and keeps you entertained on like the most basic surface level. So I, it was a very bizarre experience. Right. I would often catch myself like getting distracted and being like, wait, that's not right. That's not right. That's weird. And then it would be like all of a sudden like, Oh, something different. Um, I, it's one of those films that the more I thought about, the more I disliked it, especially with the plot and especially with, um, well, that I'll we'll save that for spoilers. Let's talk about a couple of um, other things. But what did you guys? Well, not what did you guys? Because Jake's not here. What did you? What did you um, think about like this way that they kind of weaved good guys and bad guys into this like mix of like who's who? So, so I'm gonna compare this. <laughs> This is really unfortunate, but it's just because it's so recent. I'm, I'm going to compare this to The Godfather in that way, in that, you know, we talked about the morality of The Godfather and how 
it works because it's its own closed world that has its own set morality where you understand that everyone is awful. Um, but they're just kind of varying degrees of that and how much honor they have in what they do. And with this, everyone is just awful. Right. Like there are no good people in this film. Like, like we're set up to kind of cheer for the people we've been following because we see how poorly they're treated. But also the other people, like the bad guys, the government agents, everything they're doing is completely logical and exactly what you might want your government to be doing in this situation. Right. So it was, but I think that there are good people. Like I think Olivia Munn's character sure, sure. is a good person. Yeah. And maybe I'll be honest, like there's a soft spot. There are certain actors that you watch and you just like no matter what because of something that they have done in their past. Olivia Munn is one of those actresses for me because she was in Newsroom as Sloane. Uh-huh. And Sloane's one of my favorite characters on a TV show of all time. Yep. And she does that perfectly. So I think Olivia Munn's one of those people that I kind of have a blind spot towards just because she's so good in that role that in anything else she's in, I'm kind of like, oh, look, it's Sloane. <laughs> um, but that being said, everybody like you have an incredible cast here. Boyd Hallbrook, who was amazing in Logan last year, Trevante Rhodes, uh, who's known for, uh, Moonlight, the Academy award winning film, Jacob Tremblay from the Academy award winning film, the room, Sterling K Brown, Keegan, Michael key, Alfie Allen, uh, Thomas Jane, Thomas Jane. Like you have a great cast here. And I feel like everybody is very, like, very misused. Like, if you had switched certain people around into certain roles, this, you could have taken the same cast, switched characters around, and it would have played better, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just weird. Everything about this movie is weird. Yeah, it's, okay, so let's get, let's get into spoilers a little bit, because I want to talk about some weird some weird things in this film. So we're going to get into spoilers. If you haven't seen it, spoilers now for the predator. Why did the good predator not let the other people know that he was a good predator? If he can mimic their voices. <laughs> right. Why did he dis- why did he kill everyone on his way? Why out? was he like bad guy, bad guy, but I got a secret weapon that I'm hiding to kill all the other predators. But, and why is he doing that? Right, and why did he not reveal that weapon himself earlier on? I just... <laughs> what? And that's where I say that this movie is... This movie is like Independence Day Resurgence in that it doesn't feel like its own movie. It feels like a setup for a sequel more than its own movie. Yeah, it's like... like this is like the what for, should be like the first act of another movie. Yeah, it's like a prologue. Right. An hour and 47 minute prologue, (laughs) which is just, that's fine. Like do your thing, but don't. So do you think (sighs) apparently the first cut of this was like two and a half hours um, and they chopped so much that an entire character played by the great Edward James almost was cut out. Um. So do you think this movie had been better if it had been longer, if there was more story? Look, I'm always on the side of things that are, if something can be better longer, make it longer. Like don't just cut something just to have a shorter, tighter paced film Uh because that's what you think the audience wants or my least favorite thing. So 
Typically, movies are under two hours because at under two hours, you can get in an extra screening at the end of the day that will then bring in a whole... Di- like, if you multiply that then by the 3,000 to 4,000 theaters that this movie opens on, that's quite a... I mean, that's quite a bit of extra screenings each day. And that's an extra source of revenue. So I feel like there are often times where studios push films like this that they're uncertain about to be under that mark so that they can get that extra screening in. They can have like the opening screening and then a certain amount through the day and then have like a 10 PM screening. Um, And I feel like that's what this movie did because I feel like if this movie had more, it would have been able to let us know more. Yeah, There's certain characters. Go ahead. I was like the, the, um, the relationship between Ken McKenna and his wife, that could have been interesting. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that was a, a really, like a, a human character moment. Um, or explain the relationship between him and his son a little bit more. Right, yeah. Uh, there's also, like, Trevante Rhodes is fantastic as Nebraska yeah, Williams. he's great. Also, Nebraska and Williams is a badass name. That's a great name. He also has the best line in the movie when he imitates Schwarzenegger's get to the chopper, but he says get to the choppers and he means motorcycle. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that made me laugh so I much. I laughed too. <laughs> um, and it was kind of like a ha 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 uh, type laugh, right? I was like, that's dumb, but good dumb. Like that's what I want out of this film. I want callbacks in dumb ways like that. That's That's the thing though is, like Trevante Rhodes is great, but he's. I, I'm like, I want like, why couldn't he be the lead? Like he's just make Nebraska Williams the lead. Um, I'll be honest. As much as I love Boyd Hallbrook, his character was kind of uninteresting for me. He's just kind of like flat one note military guy who did something he wasn't supposed to, and's a company man. But you know, he got screwed over by the government after all his service. Yeah, he's like a he's like a non <laughs> he's like a non amnesia Jason Bourne, right? Um, which is, I guess, what you want. The hard thing with the Predator movie is that the title character isn't your lead character, and the title character is only as interesting as you give him people to play off of. And I feel like the people that the Predator mostly plays off of, um, being Quinn McKenna and Sterling K. Brown's Will Traeger, aren't necessarily the most interesting characters for them to be playing off of. Yeah. So, I don't... And then you get this whole angle of, like, the reason why they take the skulls and spines of their victims is for trying to make themselves the best possible versions of themselves. So they take Rory McKenna as the next evolution step. Also, the ultimate predator thing was just weird to me. That very much felt Indominus Rex. Yeah, that was, that's what I was going to say. Apparently this, uh, this DNA harvesting scheme is working because the predators are now three times their normal size. Yeah. It's a weird kind of thing to throw in there. It doesn't, doesn't fit. Doesn't work. Um, I don't. I don't know what else to say about this movie. Uh, okay, so the go ahead. Do you think that this is like, like, inclusive of of disability, or do you think it's 
exploitative of it because I I'm not sure. I mean I I I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast before. I work with students with disabilities in, in higher education. That's like what what I do every day. And I felt weird about the way they were portrayed in this movie. But at the same time, they were, I mean, they weren't necessarily portrayed as outcasts per se. And everyone was, everyone was humanized to a point, but I still felt weird about it. I think in a lot of respects, it was a little bit exploitive. So, okay. So if we go down the list, there's nothing wrong really with Boyd Hallbrook's character other than he just can't be with his family. Uh, because he's too, he knows too tied much. to his job. Oh, um, right. Jacob Tremblay obviously has Asperger's. Olivia Munn doesn't really have a disability. Sterling K. Brown, psychosis. Um, don't really know. Keegan Michael Key has PTSD. Thomas Jane has um, Tourette's syndrome. Tourette's, yeah. Uh, Augusto Aguera has a brain injury, uh, I think. Yeah, traumatic brain injury. And Alfie Allen's character has something that I can't remember. And I feel like with every character except for Trevante Rhodes, it's exploitive. I feel like Trevante Rhodes' depression and suicide attempt Uh are actually like somewhat like give his character a leg to stand on and like. I don't know. Maybe that's just because depression is something that I've dealt with in my life. And so I always kind of sympathize with those characters. Um, but I don't, I feel like he did a good job of kind of like playing that. Um, but I, I think you're right. I think that there is some exploiting of disabilities. It's, yeah. It's, it's very bizarre, it, but, but it, at the same time though, it almost feels like this movie was written like specifically to, I don't know, maybe inspire is not the right word, but to like show kids who have Asperger's that they're just as important or better than everyone else. It's, it's kind of the way it approaches that in talking about it being the next stage of evolution is kind of an interesting thing. It feels very like intentional and personal almost. Right. I like that part. Uh, It's a little bit heavy handed at times. Yeah. I guess that's my issue with it is that it it just didn't go. It did. I don't think it approached those things in a, in a, like a, I don't know. I don't know. Clever is not the right word, but it just didn't come across really well. Well, it never like showed, it showed us at the beginning of the movie, how like smart and his memory, how smart he is and like his memory that he has when he's putting those, chess pieces back together. But outside of that, everything else that we're given as like an indicator of his level is just like him. He like figured out the alien technology, but outside of that, they don't really give him anything to do other than just like telling us like he's the next stage of the evolution. So it's that once again, like telling us instead of showing us why this character is the like superhero that they're all needing. Yeah. And while we're talking about characters, aside from Nebraska Williams, this is the most awful collection of character names I've ever heard in my life. It's like it's like Michael Bay came up with these character names. <laughs> Quinn McKenna. Quinn McKenna. Rory McKenna. Dr. Casey Brackett. Will Traeger. What is Will? Oh, Chris Traeger. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking yeah. of. 
Coyle, uh, Baxley. Coyle, Baxley, <laughs> Lynch, Nettles. Oh, man. Yeah, they're just, they just feel so intentionally chosen. <laughs> right. Uh, it's, it is, I don't know. It's just, it's a weird movie. Like, I, I, I oh, man. Okay, let's talk about. There's so many weird things. Let's talk about the very last scene and get out of here. So okay, so go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Because I want you to give your take, so, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that really frustrated me. What did you think was inside the box? Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Why is Arnold Schwarzenegger I, not in the box? I thought it was fifty fifty, the xenomorph, or um, oh, that would have been so bad. I, <laughs> um, I would have hated that more than the actual. I was ending. like afraid of that. That's what I, that was like my worst fear. That was like believable. I was like, they they put the dang xenomorph in there, didn't they? Um, that would have been so bad. And then the other thing, I was just like, I just thought it was like a like a giant gun of some kind, which is not too far off. <laughs> it just ends up being like, well, that is actually what we got. So what, at the end of the film, it comes that the predator, the friendly predator that never revealed himself as Predly or Predly, friendly Predly, predator, he's Predly, the Predly guy. Uh, had actually brought Earth a weapon to fight predators because, come to find out, the predators want to come take over our home world because they like that it's getting warmer. So climate change also got thrown in, as Trevor mentioned earlier. (laughs) As a way to fight them, though, this good predator had given us a weapon, and so we see this, like, coffin thing at the end in this high-tech laboratory, and we're everyone's like, we're going to open it. We're going to see what the weapon is. And the whole time, it's like, it looks like there's like a person in there or something. And then this little like thing hovers up out of there, attaches to some guy's arm as a gauntlet, and reveals that it comes out to be this full, makes a human into a predator pretty much by like armoring them and giving a human their weapon. And that right there is Independence Day Resurgence 100%. So it's, it's also like Voltron. <laughs> But really bad Voltron. Right, but like really bad Voltron. And not like and, good Voltron. Not like the new animated series on Netflix right. Netflix Voltron, but like I sweeted a Voltron film with cardboard boxes. Voltron. <laughs> In the the line, the what is that? It's my new yeah. suit. <laughs> oh. Boyd Hallbrook, you know that he was sitting there like, Really? That's my line? My new okay. All right, let's do it. Oh my gosh. Also, I look forward to reviewing in three years Predator, I don't know, The Predators, whatever it's going to be called. The Predator Killer. It's just it's just Boyd Holbrook backed into a corner blowing away Predators coming towards him. I want the trailer for that to be the Venom trailer, but just with the Predator suit, <laughs> like talking to him. <laughs> yes, what if it's sentient? I didn't even think about that. That would be great. Mm. That would be great. Or I don't want it to be Boyd Hallbrook. I want the suit to only be attached to that nerdy scientist guy that was originally. Like, it has to be him. It, like, right. Like it has to be him. And so then the whole movie is this like, well, what am I doing? Type thing. That's that's the next Predator movie I want. But, all right. Well, let's get to our final thoughts and ratings for The Predator. Trevor, what are your final thoughts and rating? This thing is mostly a mess, though I was, this is about as entertained as you'll be by a bad movie. 
Um, it moves pretty quick. It keeps you on your toes. Um, but also I never want to see it again. Um, so yeah. So my rating for this is if the new large giant predator was an A plus, this is a predator dog. Oh, okay. Yeah. The predator dogs. Why does that one dog all of a sudden be like, Hey, I'm a good guy. I'm just going to follow you guys around. Also, I can run at the speed of a helicopter. Right. That's, oh man. Um, so you said this is about as good of a bad movie as you want. No, no as good of a bad no, movie as you it's, want. It's about as entertaining on one watch as a bad movie can be. No, that movie's name is The Meg. <laughs> no, this is this this kept me more entertained than The Meg, actually. Oh, the Meg, I was ten times more entertained than I was in this. <laughs> and I didn't feel guilty for chuckling under my breath at certain things. Oh well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, this um, just okay. it just felt like it was from nineteen ninety four. Right. Yeah. If, yeah. Oh. And not to mention, we haven't even talked about the whole controversy around the fact that Shane Black had hired a guy who had been convicted of a felony sexual assault charge. Is it sexual assault or is it, it, it was, sexual? Um, it was sexual harassment. He was trying to coerce a, a teenage girl. Yeah. He had hired him for a scene. Uh, nobody had found out anything. And then Olivia Munn found out a month ago reported it and they took the scene out and now she's kind of been pushed away from the rest of the cast uh oddly enough but there's that whole element i didn't like this movie whatsoever i thought it was boring for the most part and that's a lot with all the actors that you have in there that you can make a film this boring and with shane black as a director uh it's a d like I, I don't ever really f- think I'll watch this movie again. I really hope I don't. Uh, kind of frustrating because there's there's a lot of really good elements in place for it to fall this far from where it could have been. So I agree. That's all we have for our review of The Predator. Let's now get to our content of the week. Trevor, what is your content of the week? Um, since I already kind of plugged it, um, if you haven't seen Alien, you have to see Alien. It's, um, like I said, uh, in the conversation for best science fiction film of all time, it's, um, it's not a long watch, so it's a nice, crisp, little efficient thing. A lot of great performances, a lot of great actors, just a, a masterpiece of filmmaking by Ridley Scott, which is, you know, not the only time he's ever done that. Um, and, and so, yeah, I just... While we kind of joke about this weird franchise crossover thing, Alien, and then Aliens, which is a completely different kind of film, but also great, um, directed by James Cameron. Um, those are two really great films that if you haven't seen, if you wanted, if if this, if Predator was almost something great to you, you'll definitely like Aliens. Yeah. Um, all right, my content of the week is, I feel like there's pretty much... You could go down the list with all of these characters and be like, if you liked this person, go watch this film. <laughs> so I would just like, I mean, quick a couple of ones, I guess. You're like, if you like Boyd Hallbrook and you actually want to see him do something, go watch Logan. Uh, Jacob Tremblay is great in Wonder and The Room. And there's a bunch of other things that I could throw out for any other number of actors. The other thing that I want to get to is that Netflix announced this week they will be making a live-action adaption of one of my favorite animated TV shows of all time, Avatar The Last Airbender. So I want to recommend Avatar The Last Airbender, the 
animated show that ran for three seasons is fantastic and that M. Night Shyamalan butchered in a live action film. So here's hoping that Netflix can get a live action TV show version much better than M. Night Shyamalan's because uh, if we're ranking worst films we've ever seen, that's pretty close to the top. Uh, that's all we have for this week. We'll be back next week with a new review and a new episode. If you've enjoyed listening to us, go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, review us, share us with your friends and family, let them know about us. If you want to know more about us, you can go to our website, popcornoptional.com, where you can also find all of our episodes. If you want to interact with us, you can follow us on Twitter at PopcornOptional. My name is Cameron Salina. You can find me online at 321 Time. Trevor, where can we find you online? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at TurboTrevor. You can find Jake Brown at jakebrown.tv. Until next time, we hope you have a great week. Watch some movies, and in the words of Michael Scott, we'll be back ASAP as possible. Oh, you guys be good.